and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, the uh, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast, which I did on Tuesday. And I'm going to start all the podcasts with uh, the same thing, and that's that please, I urge everyone out there, get vaccinated for COVID-19. Do not listen to Joe Rogan. He's an idiot. Okay. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen to the doctors like uh, Dr. Fauci and guys like that. I got vaccinated uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, I urge everyone to do the same. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, uh, do you uh, listen to jazz at all, Schwan? Not as much as I used to, but I, I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy the okay. art form. Okay, well, so as you may know, I do a, a song of the day on my blog. Uh, it could be any kind of music because I have it. my internet radio station play uh, anything at random. But uh, with International Jazz Day coming up, I'd like to do jazz if I can. I've actually done jazz last couple of days, uh, both uh, jazz Hall of Fame musicians. Uh, yesterday I did uh, drummer Roy Haynes, who's primarily known as a sideman. He's been around since the 40s. <laughs> and he's now... <clears throat> he's now 96 years old and he still plays New York city clubs. And, uh, the guys in his band are all young enough to be his grandsons. And in fact, his real grandson, Marcus Gilmore is one of the uh, top, uh, drummers today. Not only that, but he appears on, uh, John Batiste's Oscar winning score for the uh, Disney Pixar film, uh, Soul. You seen that film? Yes, I did. I enjoyed it. It's an excellent film, great music and everything. And uh, so he's on that. He's on that score. So he's 96 years old, man. Anyways, the yes, second one I, they're did, doing. I did today, her name is, she's a Japanese female pianist. Her name is Toshiko Akiyoshi. And um, uh, she grew up in Japan. She was discovered in 1952 when she was playing a, a bar in um, in Tokyo. And who walked in but uh, jazz legend, uh, Canadian-born pianist, Oscar Peterson walked in the door and liked her so much that he got Norman Grand's Verve Records owner to sign her and bring her to the U.S. So she's been in the U.S. ever since. She's probably best known for her long-running uh, big band with her sax playing husband Lou Tobacco and they uh, uh, ran that band is from night but mid 70s to 2003 so that's primarily what she's known for so she's a, a in my opinion a Hall of Fame performer as well so uh, tomorrow is jazz uh, international jazz day and there'll be all kinds of concerts online so uh, get educated learn something about great music that's what I like to do. Anyway, anyways, listen to some jazz, right, Schwan? Yeah, it's good. I think more people. I, I'm. It's a very popular art form. Just a lot of kids are more focused on the, I guess, the trendier stuff right now. But I think as they get older, they'll get a yeah, better appreciation. I don't, I don't listen to anything trendy. <laughs> I, I got. I, I live. I live with four girls, so I have no choice but to listen to it. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let's go on to. Uh, uh, last Saturday's UFC show goes with two big title matches on the show. Uh, Rose Yamahunas won the uh, UFC Strawweight Championship by uh, a head kick. Well, a minute into the fight over 
Jane Ailey. So this is the thing about nothing happened before this. And so okay, fine. Rose saw something and she took advantage of it. No problem. Very deceptive move. Here's the problem I have with it. I don't really have a problem with it, but here's the problem there is with it. One, the perception is that it was a fluke. You know, the equivalent of a lucky punch. All right. The other perception is that the ref may have and talk about Keith Peterson here. The ref may have stopped the fight too soon. And we've seen this in the past with women's MMA, you know, and I think that may have happened here. So it doesn't really matter what Rose did. The bottom line is we're going to see a rematch. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was a fluke. I thought she caught her clean. And the, the biggest, the biggest thing to me was, as I said before, I've said on multiple shows, I said, especially last week, Wiley's a momentum fighter. She doesn't always start super fast unless you just jump right on her and force her to ramp up early. That's what Jessica Andrade did. Jessica Andrade forced the pace. Jessica Andrade got dropped and finished as a result of it. Joanna Jajadric is a little bit more technical, but even then, she slowly worked her way into a pace. And as Wiley built momentum, Wiley started to take over later in the fight. Against Rose, the, the Rose's loss, when people press her and they're aggressively in her face and they're forcing her to react, they're forcing her to move. Wiley, and I said last week, if Wiley doesn't impose herself immediately and push the pace, she's going to lose. Now, did I guarantee a first-round knockout? No. But I knew that if she did not impose the pace right away, she would get she would get hurt because she's facing the biggest biggest hitter she had, the most agile, the best, most athletic person, and she was going to give Rose time to make reads and find her shots. So strategically, the fight was only going to go one or two ways. It went it went the other way. Um, I don't think Wiley's less of a elite fighter. I don't think she's necessarily garbage or done. I didn't think she was as good a technician as Rose. I still think she's not as good a technician as Rose. And even though she to me she finished her quite decisively, I think they're going to get a rematch because one, Wiley is their bridge into another country and is very popular. Mm-hmm. And two, they don't they don't have a really good backup fighter to fight Rose. I mean, Carlos Sparza, there's a storyline. Carlos Sparza's won some. But Wiley versus Rose is still a bigger fight than anything else. You can put an, you can, you can put a, a Sparza fight or a Marina fight on the back burner if it's going to be a rematch with Rose and Wiley. It wasn't going to be that anyway. It was going to be Joanna. Fair enough, but either way, this is still a bigger fight than that. So, well, what about what about the stoppage? I don't have a problem with the stoppage. Um, I don't. I didn't really feel like. She, if, you, if somebody told me they felt it was stopped earlier, I could take that. I, I would take that. But if somebody tells me they thought she was done, I'd take that too. She was still stumbling 30 seconds, a minute after the fight was over. She still wasn't sure what mm. happened, and that's not a good sign to me. No, it wasn't that. She wasn't sure. What it was is she said right after the fight, she said, I wasn't out. That's what she said. She said, I wasn't out, So she, which she wasn't. But it... it you know, if you look at it, when I looked at it a couple of times, maybe it was stopped too early. I don't know. And, I don't, and the I thing, don't. and the right, thing right. is, and and the thing is, it really doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter. The point is, Rose is well aware because she said it on Sunday. She's well aware that a lot of a lot of fans think it was a fluke, and that it also was stopped too early. When you think about it. Wouldn't she? Have, wouldn't she have been better off?
off to have a longer fight than that because then you don't you don't look at it as a fluke or that sort of thing that sort of thing so i, I think don't know. If, if it went longer i still think they'd probably do a rematch because of who wiley is and secondly you don't have to be out for them to stop it. You'd have to be not intelligent to finish. So that's why fighters jump on the uh, drop fighters so quickly. They're trying to force the ref's hand. Now, whether the right ref made the right car or not, that's an actual strategy. In camps, they're like, you drop them, jump on them, and start blasting them as hard as you can. Make the ref have to make a decision. Yeah. And so she did. Listen, that was smart. The, the point is that's – It was very that, smart. That's the perception that's out there. Okay? Yeah. That's the perception that's out there. So for that reason – there's going to be a rematch anyway, so it really doesn't matter. I, I, hope, I hope that even if Wiley feels like she wasn't out, I hope she actually – and I know it was a short fight, but just you have to take you, – you have to process a loss a certain way for you to get better. If it's just they just cut it too early, nothing really happened, there was nothing I could do, I could just get caught. If that's what her team thinks, that's how you get beat two and three times in a row. So you it have to make be. some kind of adjustment. Yeah, exactly. Could be. So, yeah, I mean, she's got a pretty – a good team there so it's what she learns from it as opposed to it actually happening that's what people got to understand you know uh, so I think that's what they're going to do they're going to do a rematch alright All right, let's go on to the second title fight which was very disappointing uh, uh, Valentina Shevchenko beat uh, Jessica Andrade by second round TKO and basically Valentina changed up her strategy a little bit where she uh, started uh, doing her lay and pray routine in the first round as opposed to doing doing it later on in the fight. And the reason she did that was basically to poop out Jessica. And Jessica, by the end of the round, she was done. There being she wasn't going to be able to do anything. And uh, so it ended in the second round. Yeah, I, I still, my biggest issue with that is the same issue I have with a lot of camps. Anytime somebody comes out and says, I did not expect something to happen, that's your job. You get paid. You get paid to expect. You get paid to figure it out. And if you don't have the time or the resources to figure out, you can pay someone to come and tell you what to figure out. That's why camps come to me. They're like, we looked over this a thousand times. Is there something we're missing? When King Mo was in the Risen tournament, we don't know these guys. We know a little bit. Is there something we're missing? And he said, he's like, dude, you pulled out something we didn't miss. There's coaches who still call me all the time. This is this this is my view on this fighter. Am I missing something? Yeah, this this and this. Oh my god. It's your job to, to, especially for a world title, especially for big money, especially on the UFC brand, it's your job to not be surprised. And they were completely surprised by well, something that Valentina regularly does. No, no, not at the start of a fight. My, 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 my logic, my, when I wrote, I wrote about this and I spoke about this, I said, depending on the actual physical threat, Depends on how quickly she gets into this, especially if someone is going to force a pace. But you have to be willing to come right at her. A lot of people are so scared of her counters. With, and Valentina doesn't want to get into real exchanges. She likes to control exchanges. She wants super clean fights. So if you really, really press her, she will either she'll either tie you. She might counter early to see if you can handle it, but she'll take you down. Most people don't have the physicality and aren't willing to really engage her like that. They kind of come in kind of careful because of her reputation as a counter person. Andrade was coming in throwing heavy, and Andrade was coming in full blast. She knew she wasn't going to get the range she wanted, and she'd have to either put something on Andrade, which there's a good chance Andrade might fire back, or take Andrade down. And that's what she did. She took her down. And even though she took her down and she used it to wear her out, it's like I said, athletically, Andrade is a good enough athlete where she can force her way into and out of spots. But since she was completely 
completely unaware of the fact that Valentina would take her down, she just basically set herself up with her striking. She didn't use the right strike. She didn't come in at the right angles. She just served herself up to be taken down. She got back up five <laughs> times in a round, which means she got back up four times. So she had the ability to get out of the spots into four spots, but she didn't have the she didn't have the right strategy. If anybody would have asked me, like, what's what's your strategy with Valentina? I would have said Valentina's going to take her down and work her over. That's what I would have said. To me, it was quite clear what was going to happen. Everybody was, oh, I'm so shocked. I'm not shocked by this at all. I'm surprised that other people well, are shocked by it. They didn't expect it. That's the whole point. Yeah, they didn't. And that's, that's their job. Their job is to be ready for it and expect everything. And they weren't. And so they didn't do their job. They did a great job coming up with a strategy for her. A great job to have an identity skill set built around her identity, but they weren't prepared. They assumed that Jessica Andrade has the athleticism to work through any situation she gets them through end- endlessly because she doesn't get tired. But like we talked about last week, at this weight class, she's strong enough to get into position. She's strong enough to manhandle people still, but she can't just ragdoll them anymore. So now she's used to just exploding out of position that nobody's going to take her down two, three, four times and hold her down. Now she's facing someone who can, who's going to make her work harder than she's used to working. And she got tired. She she had no respect for that. And I said that last week, even against Caitlin Chukagan. I saw a slight adjustment in her power. I saw a slight adjustment in her ability to take shots. I saw a slight adjustment in, in her strength. And so it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna be easy. She was gonna have to work too. But there's no I don't care what anybody tells me, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse to be that unprepared for what to me to me was very clear, very clear what she was gonna do. Okay, so Valentina says she wants to fight Amanda Nunez again, but she knows that it's not happening, okay? Uh, Dana White said that uh, he's really not interested in doing that fight unless Amanda wants to do it. And I don't think that's, so I don't think that's happening. So we've got two fights coming up that will probably determine the next contender. We've got uh, Joanne Calderwood versus Lauren Murphy, and that's in May. And then in June, we have Caitlin Kikagian versus Viviani Araujo. Okay? And let's see if we had... My guess is it'll be Joanne, because I think she'll beat Lauren Murphy. The best of those four fighters is probably Viviani, except she's a strawweight fighting a flight. So she's a little mm. undersized. Okay, so let me get your thoughts on that. Um, I mean, I, I, I think Joanna, if she wins, has the is the leader in the clubhouse. All she has to do is win. She was one fight off from a title fight herself. So if she wins. A, okay, okay. There's only one problem with that. She has a bad habit of coming up short in big fights. No, I, I think that's fair enough. But I don't know that a fight, even though the stakes are high, a fight with Lauren Murphy to me isn't necessarily a big fight. And secondly, Lauren Murphy, as good as she's been recently, has done it against not outstanding talent. She hasn't beaten a certain caliber opponent during That's this right. dominant run she had. So even though even even though it's possible she could outwork her and jump on and JoJo earlier, if Lauren Murphy beat her, it would be considered an upset because Lauren Murphy hasn't shown anything that says she could beat anybody from champion to number five in her division. She just hasn't. She's looked good but she's looked good against people who she should look good against. I mean, if she would have got a title shot, it would have been the most, I don't want to say undeserved title shot, but unspectacular win streak. Well, she, listen, just because she demanded it doesn't mean she's going to get it, obviously. Now, yeah, well, uh, she, she, Kate, she feels like, no, her. Kate, Kate gives it, but she hadn't beaten anybody. Yeah, I know. 
Caitlin, of course, has had a title shot before. What do you think about Viviani? Uh, I, th- I like her athleticism. I just don't know. She has the physicality with, girl, with women who have that, 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 that dynamic athleticism. It seems like there's very few in each division. So when you have that, your leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. So once that gets taken away from you, a lot of these fighters who look spectacular, look average. If nothing else, Valentine, Valentina, even Jessica Andrade to an extent has coming up, has faced comparable athleticism. They kind of know they won't quit. They won't fold. They won't get nervous when they can't get to the spots they used to. All these other girls, when they can't get to the spots they want to or they can't impose their will, it's like their whole game falls apart. They don't know what to do. Like, wait a minute, you're not just falling when I hit you? Wait a minute, you're pushing back? I don't know what to do. Oh, you took me down? I don't know what to do. So I don't know that Araja has that poise that comes from constantly facing people who can take your best shot, who can manhandle you, who can hurt you with their best shot. I, I don't know that she has that poise. And she's not going to be tested until she fights an Andrade or tested until That's she right. fights an Well. Yeah. The, the only thing about Viviani is she has been a champion before in uh, Pancrase in Japan as a strawweight. And she beat some good fighters over there like Emi Fujino, for example. Yeah. And so um, she, she actually has that kind of experience. I guess my only problem with it is I think she's too small for the division. Yeah. I mean, she, she would have a quickness and maybe an agility advantage. But that gets crushed by just the physicality. I don't. I she hasn't faced a fighter who could really put their hands on her and hold her in its place or throw her around. And once she does, I feel like a lot of what she does is going to have to be readjusted. They are still fighting on advantages that 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 exist from maybe number seven on down, but don't exist from number six on up as far as the ranking. Well, like I said, I still think I think she is the best of these four fighters uh, as far as her skills are concerned. Well, that's the potential, issues. definitely. On the way up, yes. But I don't know. I think it's kind of early. Okay. <laughs> there was a third fight on this show. I uh, wouldn't fight on this show. It was Ariane Carnelosi beat uh, uh, Liang Na by um, uh, TKO in round two, but punches or whatever. And uh, just go over the fighters. Here's Ariane uh, is from Brazil. Uh, she uh, made her UFC debut in 2019 and lost to Angela Hill. The reason we hadn't seen her since then is because of visa problems. Uh, she's primarily a striker. Uh, uh, Na Liang was signed out of a combine uh, at um, the UFC Performance Institute in uh, Shanghai. And I should note that uh, there were three fighters who were signed at that time uh, who were on this show, and they didn't have their coaches with them, which is one of the reasons why they probably all lost. And uh, she got off to a good start, and then she kind of pooped out completely. And by uh, the end of round one, I thought the fight should have been stopped. And, in fact, it was in round two. Yeah. Um, you, saw, you saw the way the fight was going. It was clear that pace was not going to – be able to be maintained. There was too much contact. There was not enough defense. There weren't nobody's really able to really hold a position it and and find a rest stop or a control position. So I was like, it's just a matter. It's, this fight, fight's gonna be over sooner than later because I didn't see either one as being a cardio machine. I didn't see either one as being particularly durable. It's just a matter of who's gonna gas first. And once once you saw somebody lose a step, it was just it went downhill immediately. Now, uh, uh, Liang Na. At her height, don't you think that she'd be better off at flyweight? 
Uh, I would think so. But, you know, these obviously her camp and either she's not disciplined enough or her camp thinks she has some kind of advantage at a at, at that weight physically, most likely well, in durability. And strength. She, she may have an advantage in China, but I don't think she has an advantage in UFC. Well, that once again, that that's an issue. Her, your camp's supposed to study the sport and study who you're going to potentially fighting. They have to have that figured out first. Unfortunately for her, she might take a beating, and even in a win, she might take a beating, or she might take a couple of losses, learning that lesson before they force her to get to the appropriate weight class. Okay. One other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, uh, the other day, John Young Ko, who normally does a lot of uh, YouTube interviews and that sort of thing reported that the UFC would be doing a Chinese contender series in June at the Apex in Las Vegas. Any thoughts on that? Uh, nothing to be expected. They're just trying to expand their brand, trying to expand their brand, get some potentially, because uh, I think some of those fighters over there might be a little bit more seasoned and experienced so they can get them for a cheaper price because they'll, they'll be signed under contender series pro- contracts. So, so they'll have a group of fresh young fighters who are some who will be probably be very well experienced and very well skilled, and they'll get to bring them over at a low price, which I think hurts any American fighters who's lesser experienced who's saying I deserve more money. Well, why would I pay you? That, that's a fifteen and four girl, and where she's getting paid this much, why should you get paid this much? Okay, let's move on to Saturday's show, uh, which will be on uh, ESPN Plus and TSN. Um, the first, there's three women's fights on the show. The first one we're going to talk about is at flyweight. It is, uh, Poliana Botello versus, uh, Luana Carolina. Uh, they're both Brazilian fighters. Poliana is a, um, Nova Unia product and Luana Carolina is from Sao Paulo, I believe. And, uh, Poliana is like four and two in the UFC. I have not been impressed with her. Um, you know, I, she doesn't I just ha- haven't, haven't been too impressed with her. Uh, Luana uh, was in the Brazilian contender series. And then she um, in her uh, last fight against uh, Ariane Lipsky. She was sitting on Ariane and I don't know how the hell it happened. I don't think she knows how it happened. Ariane managed to grab her leg and turn it into a knee bar. And she didn't even know what the hell happened, I don't think. So, eh, I don't know. What do you think about this one? Um, it seems like, I mean... I Oh, 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 I should point out that uh, Luana is a late replacement. She's the third opponent. Okay, it was first supposed to be Gian Kim, then Mayra Buena Silva, and now it's... Uh, Luana Carolina. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Poliana, she has she she has the better camp. I just don't know that she has anything stand out about her. I mean, she's tough. She she seems like she's in shape, but she didn't seem particularly physical. Not not super dynamic power wise. Not super dynamic athleticism wise. Obviously, she's fought the better opposition, but based on what I've seen from both fighters, they're pretty much fighting each other at the same level. Once you get to a certain level, Poliana struggles. I don't know that her opponent. Is at that level. Well, you know, she hasn't shown you know, that. I, I just, I just wanted to point out. You know who she's been trading with a lot, right? Ketlin Vieira. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Vieira. Once again, Vieira is good, but that corner work, that corner work, makes me suspicious because Ketlin Vieira has well, got a level of athleticism and physicality that allows you to take cer- certain shortcuts. 
Poliana Botello does not have that. Well, um, now you're talking. Now you're talking about doo 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 Yeah, okay. I, 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 I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but every every coach has has shortcomings. And the more talented the the, the athlete you have, the more shortcuts you, you can push them faster because they have skill talent that allows them to close a gap. And until they face comparable talent, you won't see those holes in their game. And I, I don't know how many girls are on Ketlin Vieira's level of athleticism and, and size and physicality. Not many. Not in, not in women's MMA, there's not. So same thing with Botella. Botella against a certain class of athlete, she does very well because it, if nothing else, things are even. Usually she has an advantage. Once the level has raised, she's she's been essentially dominated by every higher-level opponent she's faced. She got run over by yeah. Calvin. She got run over by um, – who's the other girl? Let me look it up real quick. She got run over by Jillian Robertson, notorious front runner Jillian Robertson. Yeah, so uh, that's who she lost her last fight to. This should be a showcase fight in theory for Pollyanna. She's faced a better opposition. She's been more active, um, but she's she's so hit or miss. I, I don't I don't really know what to expect to be quite honest. She has Schwan, a better camp. She's a bitch. Schwan, Schwan, Schwan. Yeah, she's not a UFC caliber fighter. A lot of women aren't. No offense, it's going to offend a lot of people, but a lot of them in a vacuum aren't. All right. So their second fight is uh, also uh, is actually it's at strawweight. My mistake is at strawweight, and that is Randa Marcos versus Luana Pinero. So we all know who Randa Marcos is. She's from uh, Windsor, Ontario. Trains at uh, Michigan Top Team in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, and she's a wrestler. But that didn't seem to help her much the last time she fought. And I gotta think she needs a win here. She's gone. She's like on a three-fight losing streak. Okay. Her opponent, Luana Pinero, is from Belo Horizonte, Brazil, trains at BT Rhino. Uh, she appeared in the Contender Series last November. And so this is actually her UFC debut. Um, and it would be my guess is they're looking to build her up. And if she beats Randa, Randa gets released. Yeah, I, I would assume that it's... It works both ways in the instance that Ronda Marcos is still one of the better athletes. She's still very durable. Uh, she has a limited but solid skill set. And she's never, for the most part, she's never really just been dominated. Even in losses, it's been back and forth, and it's been, been kind of a lack of IQ that's cost her. And, and that's been a known hole in her game forever. At one point, she was working with Fahas Zahabi, Fahas Zahabi, and she left there because she was like, he, he's trying to make me into a different fighter. And I think in her mind, he was trying to make a different fighter. In his mind, he was just trying to expand her skill set, diversify her skill set and her perspective to make her a better fighter so she's not making the same mistakes she makes in pretty much every fight she has. So if she – Brandon Marcus is – when she was considered one of the better fighters or elite, she was one of the most flawed fighters as an elite fighter. She can still win tough fights, but most likely she'll lose. So if she somehow beats – she beats Luana – you'll say, well, she's fought the best. She's never really been run over. She's got a good skill set. She's still one of the better athletes. And it doesn't hurt Luana to shine. It gives her experience because Marcos isn't a punishing enough fighter to really damage you psychologically or physically like that where it's a setback. And if she beats Randa Marcos, then it shows that she's beat a seasoned veteran, even though Randa Marcos fights like she's a rookie. She doesn't have any seasoned veteran in her game. She fights very dumb. So it's, it's a no-lose for Luana. I mean, even if she loses, it's not really a loss. It's a veteran loss. You lose to a veteran. You learn a lesson, you take two steps forward. But most likely, Randa Marcos will run out of ideas in the fight and give up something that will either get her finished or, or have the fight turn around, and then she ends up losing a split decision or something of that nature. Yeah, I'm looking for uh, uh, Luana to win this fight. That's what I'm looking for. 
if if Randa had like just a little bit of IQ, she really could have been a good fighter. But she just has no sense for the game. She just has no sense for the game, no feel for it, no no real to process what's happening. She just does what she does, regardless of what the threat is. As shown against Laura, as, as shown against Mackenzie Dern when she took her down and tried to get into grappling exchange with her, of all things. No kidding. Now, the other fight is at strawweight as well. It is Sam Hughes versus Loma Lukbunbi. So Sam Hughes is from Everett, Washington. Um, she made she came in as a late replacement back, I think, in December. Uh, she uh, replaced uh, Angela Hill against uh, Tisha Torres, and not surprisingly, yep. she got her she got her ass handed to her. Okay, yeah. Uh, now the other things I saw her in LFA, uh, her fights in LFA, and I didn't think she was good enough for the UFC. But sometimes on a late replacement, you're taking somebody like that. Okay, so mm-hmm. I don't think she's a UFC caliber fighter. Now Loma, of course, is from Thailand. She's a Thai fighter. Muay Thai fighter. Her father was a famous Muay Thai fighter and she trains at his gym for the most part. For MMA purposes, she trains at Tiger Muay Thai with George Hickman. And um, uh, the way she got into MMA, because he was already fighting Muay Thai, of course, is one day uh, she met uh, Caitlin Young, who at the time was matchmaking for Invicta, and Caitlin got her into doing MMA. Um, she obviously has striking talent. We all know that. She's gone two and one in the UFC so far. Uh, the two problems I see with her is this. Um, she needs to improve the other parts of her game other than the striking. So that's number one. Number two, she's a, an atom weight fighting at straw weight. So when she gets higher, even if she wins this fight, which I think she will, the higher she gets up the ladder – the tougher it's going to be because, I mean, her one loss was to Angela Hill, who was, uh, I think, a late replacement for that fight. Uh, but she's going to be, end up fighting other fighters similar to Angela, and she's not going to win. Okay, so lay it on me. Yeah, um, I, I think this is going to be a tough one for Sam Hughes. It seems like in her other fight at LFA, a lot of her success was based on her physicality and her conditioning. She was able to bully people and work them over. Kind of of like maybe a middle-class Wiley. She would build momentum and slowly take them over. But you saw the flaws in her wrestling. Her setups were striking. Even some of her grappling wasn't really polished. Against a lower class of athlete, against a lower class of conditioned athlete, she was able to walk them down and bully them. When she came to the UFC, right off, she faced Tisha Torres, who's not a power puncher, and Tisha Torres stopped her. Or I think Sam Hughes kind of panicked and her team stopped the fight. But either way, Tisha Torres, who's not known as a power puncher, was seemingly hurting Hughes and seemingly able to match her physicality. And it was a much better athlete. And Hughes did not have the defensive awareness or a layered enough offensive game to do anything to slow the fight down and regain control. Against Loma, Loma's not as great an athlete. Well, she's actually a really good athlete, but she didn't have the physicality and the size of Torres as far as the athleticism and the pure strength. But she is very physical because of the tie fighting. She's a good athlete. And I don't know that Sam Hughes' striking is good enough to set up clean takedowns. I think a lot of what Sam Hughes does with takedowns are actually clinch and body locks. And if that's true, that's not going to work against Loma. And Loma's faced, Loma's faced better people. She's faced a better class of athlete. She's, be- she's faced a better I- I- skill sets. And she's faced more experienced fighters. 
So if Hughes can't instantly get this fight to the ground and dominate on the ground, I don't know how she wins it. I don't think she hits hard enough. I don't think she fights at a high enough pace. And personally, I don't think her strike is well good enough to get her in position to get clean takedown attempts. I think she's most likely going to get punished trying to find injuries into the takedowns. And even if she gets one, Loma's, I think, good enough to get back up against someone like Hughes. So if Hughes well, addressed Loma, the whole Loma, game that I mentioned a month, two months ago, or three months ago when she last fought, she'll win this. But I don't think she's had enough time to make those changes. Yeah, are you kidding? No, Loma, uh, last time out, Jinyu Fry. Jinyu Fry's a lot better than Sam Hughes. Yeah, Jinyu Fry should should have tried to fight Sam Hughes. Jinyu Fry would look amazing against Sam Hughes. Well, but that's my thing. We we pointed out some holes in Sam. We pointed out some holes in her game, and I said, if you give take some time off, you can really start the process of adjusting these things. At least get it in her mind, so it, it might might not look technically good, but strategically, she'll make the right moves. But I guarantee you, this isn't enough time to make those kind of changes against anybody who's who's real competition. And even though Lomas won't be able to dominate against bigger, better athletes, Sam Hughes isn't bigger. She's not better, so she should look pretty good against her. If she loses against Sam Hughes. That's that's been, that, that's a bad loss for Loma. If she loses, that's yeah, a really but I bad think, loss. But I don't think that. I think she wins. I think Loma wins. Oh yeah, me too. But losing to someone like Sam Hughes is a big. That's a big cause for concern. You shouldn't lose to someone well, like that. No offense to Hughes. They're 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 trying to they're, they're trying to give her some confidence. That's why they put Drew in the public like that. Obviously. Well, I'm really? sure Hughes' team. I I don't think Hughes' team would appreciate being thought of as a confidence builder. Well, I, they wouldn't, but that's what they are. I mean, she shouldn't be in the UFC, obviously. No, but okay. like you said, at, at the regional at the regional level, the athleticism is so iffy. You go on a big win streak. That's why so many people. Just really short. I've told Camps before. You think this person's a top level athlete because they've been fighting people with my athleticism. I'm not a top level athlete, and people in the bigger organizations are three, four, six, ten times better than me. So now you've gotten your your athlete used to fighting one kind of way because they're a slightly above average athlete fighting below average athletes, then when they face good to really good athletes, they have no answers because they've only been used to fighting with an advantage. They've never had to really fight. They've been beating people up. And now that they have to fight, they don't know how to fight. They don't know how to fight back. They know how to hit you. They don't know how to take one. They know how to take you down. They don't know what the hell to do when someone bigger, stronger, faster takes them down. So it's the biggest hole coming up regionally because people aren't being trained and they're not getting the right sparring. That's why they're such in a, such of a shock when they face decent skills and decent athleticism. They've never seen it before. Sam Hughes looked completely befuddled against Tisha Torres. And how do you have like eight, nine fights and you look completely befuddled against anybody right off the bat? That's that's not good. Yeah. Okay. That So let's uh, – uh, one other thing I wanted to, to mention quickly, and that's that tomorrow night, uh, I think they're calling themselves Combat Global now, but it's a company formerly known as uh, uh, Combat Americas. And they primarily – run shows with uh, uh, Latina, Latino fighters, Mexicans, that sort of thing. There, Anyways, they're running an all-women's show tomorrow night. Oh, that's uh, brave. It's on, um, I think, Televisa in Mexico, but everybody else in the world can watch it on UFC Fight Pass, if you're interested in seeing that. I don't think that t- we're talking about top-quality fighters. And in fact, there's a pro wrestler on this show. Okay, the fighter calls her her, her real name is uh, Dulce Garcia, and she normally wrestles in Mexico uh, with a mask, by the way, as Sexy Star. Uh, She works for uh, AAA, and she also used to work for the Underground. And so, why is she doing MMA? Well, her husband's a boxer, so he keeps trying to get her to do boxing 
and man and stuff like that. So you won't leave her alone. <laughs> but I, I will. She, I will say. This. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. As, as and and I've said this before. I don't have any criticism towards women trying to do MMA. Anybody wants to do it, it's a brave venture. It's honorable. Find out your limits. Find out your things. But if you're a, if you're a, a female fighter, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of platforms for you to build your momentum, even if you're halfway decent. If you approach it the right way, it's almost impossible for you not to get some kind of momentum and be a star because we don't ha- have an abundance of female fighters at these other weight classes. And if you just approach it the right way and show some discipline in your development and your progress, you can get to the UFC or Bellator and you'll be able to make noise in the UFC or Bellator. They need fighters. The secret is to do it the right way, master the skills, really push yourself so that when you get to this big stage, you're a step and a half ahead. There's so many opportunities for for female fighters, just like in girls basketball going to college. There's a lot more opportunities for that than there is for boys because every boy wants to come play college basketball, not as many girls. So if you're decent and you're well-trained and you're smart, there's tons of opportunities for you. And it's the same thing in women's fighting. But so many women, instead of processing it and having a camp that's dedicated to them, that's going to really develop them, develop their skill set and get them good sparring and get them good fights that they can grow from, they take the shortcuts. Well, I'll just go to the UFC right now. You're not a UFC fighter right now. You'll be a UFC fighter four fights from now, but they're going to rush you. You're going to be a highlight reel for somebody else. And then three fights later, you're going to be kicked down to Invicta or somebody else. You're going to lose another couple of fights and you'll be retiring out of the sport two or three years later. When as a female fighter, you could be in the sport for seven, eight, nine years and, and hang around and make good money and get good fights. Look at Bitch Kohea, not a great athlete, not a great technician. She made really good money fighting really big names, whether she won or lost. She can always look back and say, I fought the very best because she knew how to play the game and she fought well enough where she could hang around and be competitive. Same thing with Ronda Marcos. If Ronda Marcos was a guy, she'd have been on the UFC two years ago. But they don't have that many people. So all those young female fighters out there, learn your craft, dedicate yourself to the process, and then when you get to the big show, you can last and stick around that top ten and stick around that top five and make some big money and have some big opportunities. All you have to do is do the job correctly. Okay, one other thing I wanted to mention, and that's that Julia Budd announced the other day. She announced that her Bellator contract has expired. Oh, that's why she fought so carefully. Makes sense. Now it makes sense. This is so stupid. Well, I mean, you you see, I mean, even though even if she if she loses to that girl, her value drops. If she she somehow won, as boring as it was, maybe she's thinking I could just convince the UFC to just bring me in for Amanda and I can get a I, I can get a title shot against Amanda and make some money. It's possible. I don't see it. She's they not good they have, enough. They, have, they haven't closed the division. She's only lost to Chris Cyborg. She was like on a three or four fight winning streak. She's a former champion. You, you tell me they couldn't bring her in. Just If they keep the division, they, they can just put her in and give her a title fight. Yeah. May I remind you that Amanda Nunez knocked her out many years ago. That's many years ago. We're yeah, but she did. I, got, I got news for you. She'd do it again. I mean, Amanda yeah. Nunez got beat by Sarah Dialio. Years ago, and Kat That was a different so. time or place. That was a different time and place. I know, uh, but they'll, they, they'll spin it. They'll say, she's been a defending champion. She's grown. She's better now. Eh, I don't think so. I think, we'll I think she was a big fish in a small pond. And when Cyborg hey. showed up, it was all over. You were probably right. But as her management, I don't care about that. I'm trying to get her on the well, big we stage. Know who's her, we page. know. Listen, we know who her manager is. It's her freaking husband who also trains. 
Hey, even even her managers, her husband, anybody else. If that's my fighter, I want her on the biggest stage with a chance to make a career high payday. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you got anything else you want to talk about? That is it, sir. Okay. Again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.com. Wait, wait, wait. I have one thing com. I want to say. Sorry, after you get done. Okay. Sorry. What? Go ahead. Uh, also, I just want everybody to know I appreciate the show and the platform. Frank is. He seems like a tough guy, but he's really a teddy bear. He just plays tough on podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he didn't want me to I, tell you I, he, I, likes me, he likes being rough with y'all, but I gotta tell you the truth. He's a nice guy. Nice guy. I'm not I'm not either. I try to be like Switzerland, objective. Okay. So he's a nice I guy. don't really I well, whatever. Anyways, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for my uh, blog or either my podcast, leave a voicemail. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, so podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.